Hey guys, it's Jordan, and today we got Chris Ann Hall, a constitutional specialist and lawyer, joining the show today. Last Wednesday night, she joined our community and our fearless community and talked to us about our constitution, our state constitution, and we wanted to show you what she talked to us about. So make sure if you haven't already, leave a review and share the podcast this is the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast. All right, without further ado. Chris Ann Hall received her bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Blackburn College and her Juris Doctor from the University of Florida. She served in the U.S. Army as a military intelligence cryptologic linguist. She was a prosecutor for the state of Florida for nearly a decade. Chris Ann also worked with a prominent national First Amendment law firm where she traveled the country defending Americans whose rights were violated by unlawful arrests and prosecutions. She has written six books on American history and the U.S. Constitution. Chris Ann is a regular consultant on numerous radio, podcasts, and television programs. Without further ado, Chris Ann Hall! Woo! What is up? Everybody give Chrisanne a big clap and thank you. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so awesome so to, have you. to have you. Thank so, you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to see everybody. Look at all those beautiful faces. <laughs> yes, we as a community, uh, we just got done doing a 12 week series with our entire community um, studying the Constitution and wonderful. And we went through the entire constitution and we used your non-compliant film. We watched the entire thing. What? That is so it. great. Yeah. We broke it up over 12 weeks into like five to seven minute sections. And we watched one clip and then we would discuss it. And then we also read the constitution through it. And then we had study guides and questions and we really use your film. So it's been, it's such an honor to have Thank you, you because you have honestly, we had about 40 people do that with us every single Wednesday. And, that is uh, awesome. Yeah, and, and it's so. Different. What did you guys think of non-compliant? Um, well, for me, and again, if you guys, if anyone wants to have thoughts, feel free to raise your hand, and we'll bring you on. If you guys have, if what you guys' thoughts were for me personally, um, I learned there was three things that I took away. Number one, how how we have been trained to, and this, I mean, I learned this specifically from you, how we've been trained to focus on federal elections and not local right. and state. That was like. Oh, oh my gosh, these federal elections are kind of a psyop to kind of distract us to not really focus oh, yeah. on our mayor and city council. And that's kind of one thing that was a, a big takeaway for a lot of the people. And the other two things, the power of the sheriff. Like, I think that was like my, the big <clears throat> moment. I was like, I've never thought about, I, when I think of a sheriff, I think of like cowboy movies and it's like the guy with the badge. Like, that's what I think about the sheriff. I don't think that there's an actual person that's in power that is that real right. line of defense for the people when there's an unjust or corrupt government that takes, um, you know, kind of takes office. And then obviously the power of the state uh, for sure. 
realizing that, hold on, wait, the state hired the federal government Wait, in this hierarchy, the state's on top and not the not the other way around. And actually, our state constitution is even more powerful than the Bill of Rights and just everything. Um, our entire our entire community uh, kind of that was a lot of the big takeaways for me personally. So it was we loved it. Well, what's really fun about that information is that the application of that information is is so powerful and so relevant with every crisis that is shoved before our faces. For example, right now, the real the the big question is, uh, what do we do about energy independence? How do we deal with that? And the you know the the narrative is that the only solution is we've got to restart the keystone pipeline well what most people don't realize is the keystone pipeline is foreign oil keystone is a canadian corporation that was underwritten by the canadian parliament it is not american oil now there may be american jobs used to transport that oil, but that oil is owned by a Canadian corporation underwritten by the Canadian parliament, which is just more dependence on more foreign oil. And there's no reason for that because the real solution to the energy crisis in America, once again, is going back to what we learned in in non-compliant, the state authority. Congress is the federal government is not delegated any power to regulate our land and our resources within the states. Our land and our resources within the states are powers reserved to the states. So the solution to to energy independence in America is we restore the proper power paradigm in America, and we let the states open up their oil fields, we let the states do what they need to do to create energy, we turn property, return property rights back to the people, so the people who own the land where the oil is sitting, where the resources are, they are free to produce, to mine, to, to, to uh, uh, collect the oil, Um, and the states then run the refiner, you know, have private corporations run the refineries and it's done all at the state level. Hmm. And the only thing the federal government could reasonably do, it's still not proper constitutional application, but the only thing the federal government can reasonably do is then regulate how Texas ships oil to Florida. That's it. In reality, if you if you want to know how the Commerce Clause is actually supposed to work, the Commerce Clause means that the federal government is supposed to be encouraging commerce between the states so that if Texas wants to ship oil to Florida or to New York, the federal government is supposed to be there along the way to help negotiate between the states so everybody makes sure that happens. The power of the federal government is not to regulate our resources and our commerce into non-existence, but to encourage fluent and prolific commerce. Wow, that, that is, I never even thought about that before. 
let alone they get the Keystone Pipeline is actually not even American oil. So, I mean, no, it's TC Energy. TC Energy is Trans Canada Corporation. Wow. So, so what, what is a solution for people to get involved in a local way? I mean, one thing that we focus on here is, you know, what can we do to put pressure on our local representatives, our governors? Because, I mean, really what this comes down to, and we kind of learned this from you as well, is like, I mean, really, the governor is kind of like the president. I mean, he has more authority and more power than the actual president himself yeah. does. Um, and so, like, what are ways that you kind of tell people or what even the group that's here, because I mean, every person that's in here is very active in their local community, whether they're running for office, they're pressuring their school board, they're showing up to, right. to, to meetings. I mean, what are, what are things or people that we could reach out to in our local communities that can help kind of push the needle back the other way? Well, just to, to let you know that, you know, everything that we are talking about today is all available in our courseware at libertyfirstsociety.com. And we even have an activism boot camp at libertyfirstsociety.com that gives you these step-by-step things to do. And everything has to begin with education. And I think about in the 82 minutes of non-compliant, how much did you learn that you didn't know before? And even more so, as my friend in New York says, one of the greatest impediments for in, in, in the American people is they don't know what they don't know. Right. So think about the 82 minutes of non-compliant. Think about the things that you learned that you did. It wasn't necessarily correcting wrong things, but things you'd never heard before that you had no idea about. So everything has to begin with education. If you're going to start at the state level, what you really need to do is pick up your state constitution. You need to study your state constitution. You need to know what it says. Every state constitution begins with a bill of rights, a declaration of rights. You need to understand what the what the constitution of your state recognizes as your inalienable rights. Then you need to go through the sections and and see what power is specifically delegated to the legislative body, what power is specifically delegated to the executive body, and what power is delegated to the judicial body. And that's really where you have to begin. Because remember, as we learned in noncompliant, the Constitution is your consent, At the state level, the Constitution is what you consent that the that the state government is allowed to exercise as power. So you have to know what you consented to so that you can hold them to that standard. And then when you understand what the standard is now for the school board, that will be a section in your state constitution. What are the duties and the responsibilities of the school board? What are the rights of the parents? What are the things that, that are the obligations of the school board, the limits of the school board? What is the, the authority of the parents to govern over the school board? So each of these bodies within the government at the state level will be defined in your state constitution. So know what their limits are, know what your authority is, and then you can take the standard to them. Because you can go and argue a motion to them all day long. 
You can go and argue with them angry, sad, disappointed, frustrated. But when you bring to them the letter of the law, when you bring to them the standard of the Constitution, they can't dismiss you Mm. because you have it right there in front of you. Right. Right. So that's the key. So no matter what body you're going to address, you've got to be educated on the law of that body. You have to be educated on your state constitution. And then you have to go. You have to go to the meetings. You have to organize the people around you to engage in regular what I call email and phone campaigns. You literally have to strategize a battle plan where you're constantly hitting them with some kind of communication about what is important to you. Now, can not just simply need to be careful because there's a lot of I, uh, a lot of theories out there. You know, there's uh, to get somebody to do something. You there's the carrot stick idea, right? Uh, some people like the stick more than they like the carrot. Some you know you're gonna beat them and <laughs> be nasty and obnoxious, but some people stick to the carrot where you're sucking up and you're telling them how wonderful they are and you're thanking them for privileges to speaking to them. If you you have to find the balance in there. If you're constantly beating you, then they become like the battered spouse and they become numb to you. They don't even pay attention to you. If you're constantly louding on them and and sucking up to them then they don't pay any attention to you because you have no credibility. So you have to find that balance. You have to be corrective, but you also have to be encouraging when it's appropriate. I I like, I like talking, uh, pointing out what Benjamin Franklin wrote in 1722, that uh, governors deserve, uh, ought, he says, governors, I'm remembering it now, governors ought to be well spoken of when they deserve to be well spoken of, but to not speak of their transgressions is to actually encourage them in their wrong behavior. Now that's a paraphrase, but that's the message that he was giving us. So you have to find that balance. Now, what we do is we make sure that we find, and we've decided within our group, what's going to be the, the, the real principle driven issues. Because if you respond to everything, if you become a jack of all politics, then you become a master of nothing and they don't pay any attention to you. Mm -hmm. So in your group, sit down and, and figure out what's important to you and then stay on those topics. Don't dilute, dilute your political capital by chasing every, you know, don't chase every cat that runs by. So make sure that you're focused on what's important to you. You stay on those topics, stick with your wheelhouse, and then strategize on how to uh, hit them with your varying techniques. I'm I'm a sci-fi person, so I like watching. I want, like watching Star Trek. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I always think of myself 
when I'm going to a political, I, I see things in like movie pictures, you know, clips and stuff, TV clips. And I think of myself going before the Borg. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, some of you do. So the Borg are these cybernetic combinations of, me, of, of human flesh and, and cyborg, right? Well, they always have this field, force field around them. And you have to keep varying your approach so they don't modulate the force field to keep you out. And that's sort of what I see. If you hit them with just emails and emails and emails and emails and emails, then they stop paying attention to you. If all you do is call, then they stop paying attention to you. If all you do is attend the meetings and point your finger at them, then they stop paying attention to you. So you have to hit them in from all flanks in all directions uh, so that they get so they feel like they're being surrounded by these massive amounts of people. And you can do that with a small number. You can make a small number feel large right. if you modulate how you, you communicate with them. We do email campaigns where we draft a text and we give the people the email addresses they're supposed to send the emails to and so they know what the bill is about. They know how to respond to the bill and they just send off the emails. Hmm. We do the same thing with phone calls. We give them a little phone script, call up and say, I want you to vote yes on SB 1360, excuse me, on 1365. And this is why. And you get everybody to call. And then we, on the real important issues, when we feel like, there's good opposition, right? Mm -hmm. Then we take buses to the Capitol and we show up in person. Wow. And so you, you have to hit them from all sides, but you have to be smart about it because it's real easy to dilute your political capital by extending yourself out too far. And not only that, you wear out the people. You wear out your group. You would think that sending an email is not a big deal. I mean, it's copy, <laughs> paste, hit the button. But if you bombard everybody every, three times a week, send this email, send this email, react to this and contact this, then they don't even open your notices anymore. So part of that has to be get focused, stay on task, and choose your responses wisely. Don't wear out your base and don't, uh, don't cause the, the politicians to become numb to your, your, your uh, communications. And remember to make sure that when they actually do pass a bill, you want them to pass, that you use the same email campaign, the same phone campaign to say, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point to think about. Do not, do not uh, waste your, your uh, political capital, um, your, your activism, because it's, it is a very good point. Um, something that we've talked about over the last, I mean, these, this entire time was, um, you know, the reason why we studied the constitution in your course was because I knew that people would not be able to find that courage or that boldness if they did not know their rights. Cause if you don't know your rights, right. it's like, you don't really, you don't have any foundation to stand on. 
Um, and it's, it's such a good point. And there was a quote that, I, that was, there's a book that I'm reading right now. And it, he talks about mental toughness and being willing to get addicted to being uncomfortable. It's a book called 75 hard. And the quote is the number one key to cultivating mental toughness is to intentionally put yourself in situations where you are uncomfortable. And when you actually, right. and when you do that, then it just starts getting easy. And, and I think for I mean, including myself and, probably every person in the, that's that's watching this right now we've over the last probably 12 weeks i mean i know jenny and a lot of a lot of the members here uh steven i mean called out your pastor a couple of weeks ago about about the mandates and even our entire community this this uh last week which was incredible where we you know there was there's a private school here in orlando a christian school private christian school and they in the public schools there's no mask mandates but for some reason this private school with about 150 to 200 kids they had they were still enforcing a mask mandate even the five four four five and six year olds and uh, a one parent you know uh brought something up and our entire community came together. We text, we called, we emailed, we did the entire thing. We said that we, and then if they did not change the mandate by the following Monday, we would organize a protest within 24 hours. They flipped the mandate right away. Yeah. And, and the reason why is, is exactly what you're saying. If you can come at all sides, not just one, you come from email, you come from phone call. Um, I, I think that's exactly what really makes them really feel that pressure where they, they're like, oh my gosh, you, we kind of caught them off guard. And then they start feeling, wait, there's going to be a protest. They're going to show up to the school. We're done. We're going to put this thing to rest. Yeah. I think one of the greatest, two of the greatest obstacles that we have getting people involved are fear and ignorance. And it's, it's really a negative feedback because the ignorance reinforces the fear. People can feel passionate about things. They can want to be involved about things, but then be intimidated to be involved because they don't know what to say. Mm. And we don't teach public speaking. We don't teach people that it, you know, you, if you stand up in public speak, they're not going to take you to the guillotine. You don't die. And even if you stand up and, and say something that's wrong, you're not going to have your birthday stolen, but you do learn and you get to go back and, and do it again. And that's why part of what we do in our email and phone campaigns is we we direct a little, a small two, three, four lines informational on what's the name of the bill, what's the bill about, why do we support it, why are we opposed to it. Now that you know what it's about, here's what you need to send to the representatives and here's the emails, the phone numbers of the representatives you need to send it to. So you have to give people the tools to work with because the fear is really a fear of looking like a fool of, and it's, it's a pride driven fear, yeah, to be honest. So and I, I can tell you when I'm, I mean, I'm not naturally a public speaker, but the Lord has given me so much and encouragement and he's just made it easy for me. I'm naturally a wallflower. You know, I don't, not the, big social person at the party, but when I'm doing what I've been called to do, what I've been studied to do, there is a boldness that results from it, that turn that results from confidence Yeah, because I am confident in what I know. I am confident that I've made this knowledge mine. 
I'm not just repeating what somebody else has told me. I'm actually working from a foundation. And yeah, that well, confidence that boldness is not a uh, boldness is not a personality type. Boldness comes from when you have clarity about something like if you're yeah. like a barber and you've been cutting hair for 30 years and somebody says you start with the buzzers, not with the clippers or, or, or the opposite. You would you would immediately because of your experience in that category go, no, that's not what happens. And that's a pretty confrontational thing for you to do. Yeah, you yeah, just confront exactly. Somebody. But the reason you do it is because you had clarity. It's not just because you happen to be a loud mouth person. Yeah, Samuel Adams said it this way. He said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. Knowledge, the 30 years as a barber, the study that we've done in the Constitution, being a student at Liberty First Society, we actually build the curriculum of Liberty First Society, the lessons of LibertyFirstSociety.com to, to give the foundational confidence that creates the boldness. And we do it in such a way that you can get it in a really short period of time. What should take people a long time to learn, you can get in weeks with yeah. us at libertyfirstsociety.com. And we have students that are sixth graders that are that are just they have a they get the boldness and they stand up to their teachers and we 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 have a whole spectrum of students that go all the way to law schools we actually have camp on campus clubs that study libertyfirstsociety.com constitution cuz they know they're not learning the constitution in law school the way they're supposed to be learning it and so we have all of this information that is tailored on what we've learned Mm -hmm. How do we get this? You know, we can't, it's not the matrix. We can't download this into, oh, I know jujitsu, right? It doesn't work like that. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we have taken what we've learned through experience so that you can just simply pick up the box that we've created and unpack it and own it. So good. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay. I know you're, you allocate about 30 minutes, but we have like one or two, a couple questions from the no, audience. No, that's fine. Okay, perfect. Um, first, and seriously, thank you so much for spending this time because, I mean, we've been watching your your courses and for the entire community, it's such a blessing. Uh, Chris, let's bring Chris up here really quick. Uh, Chris has been a part of our course for the for the whole 12 weeks. And the and uh, Chris, you got a question for Chrisanne? Hi, Chrisanne. I just got a question for you. I just want to know, how do you see the rest of the Biden presidency playing out well i think the biden presidency is pretty transparent um they're marxists and they're pushing the socialist global agenda mm. and they're bold and they're arrogant and they're like a rat trapped in the corner mm. their time is running out so they're going to get really desperate. What you have to realize is everybody is in midterm right now. So everything you see in the news, everything you hear out of a politician's mouth, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, everything they're saying, Ted Cruz and these guys had a big press conference today, everything they're saying has nothing to do with anything except 
midterm elections, getting people out to vote and getting people to vote their party or their ideology or their perspective. So pay very close attention to how everybody's talking between now and November, the crises that pop up every, you know, between now and November. If you pay attention and you apply the foundational things that you've learned, you will see and know where they're headed. So Midterms, just to give you a little political insight, midterms always go in favor of the party that did not win in the general election. Always, always. Mm. The only thing that varies is how big of a shift will there be. Mm. And so the Republicans are fighting to get a huge shift. The Democrats are fighting to have a small shift. But everybody knows it will shift. And then after midterms, everything will shift to focusing on the general election. And what happens in the midterms, what happens in the midterms will drive then that narrative to the general election. So it's a little bit hard to say what will happen between the midterms and the general election until the midterms really happen. But if the Democrats lose, huge which they should I pardon me <laughs> I said which they should <laughs> yeah if they lose huge then with the Biden administration in power they could choose to go one of two ways bury us in violent war like crises because wars always breed historically a national loyalty and a reverence to the president, you know, with the wisdom of that, that that's how human nature works. Or they could try to actually uh, manipulate the things around us to show that things are working. Right. So what they'll do is they'll start bringing the economy up. They'll drive gas prices down, inflation down. So everybody can say, oh, look at what the Biden administration is doing. We need to get them back in 2024. So they'll keep making things better. And then when they can't run again, the last four years as the lame duck, then what you get is the hardcore. You think this is hardcore what they're doing now. You won't see anything if they actually win. You haven't seen anything yet if they actually win again in 2024. Yeah, and we oh, yeah. and we saw It'll be over. Yeah, and we oh, we saw Obama say that in his when he was before he he ran for a second term when he was in Russia. He was like, "Hey, yeah. you know, he got caught on that hot mic. He's like, "Listen, when I get my second term, I have a lot more leverage and I can do a lot yeah. more in my second term." So we we see that and we're already seeing we're already seeing this administration prep for the midterms with removing the vaccine mandates. They're not doing the passports nearly as much. They're starting to, you know, they're removing the mask mandates, even for, for, uh, even for DC and the politicians. So we're already starting to see the messaging change, the mainstream media kind of just falling right along, right in line. It's, it's, it's honestly pretty, I mean, you really can just like, you see the future um, as we, we see this entire thing play out. Diane, you got a question. Let's bring Diane up real quick. Well, let me mention something Uh, really quick. Solomon said there is nothing new under the sun because human nature never changes. Mm -hmm. You don't have to try to figure out what they're going to do next. You just have to see where which playbook they're picking up and using. 
Um, Patrick Henry said, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that's the lamp of experience. I know no way to judge the future but by the past. Studying the history helps you identify the patterns. And so you can you can actually predict the future by knowing the patterns and identifying the patterns that they're moving in. Studying history will help you identify the patterns, which again, that's believe from one of even your chapters, history will be our guide in mm -hmm. the non-complacent film. Uh, Diane. Hi, Chrisanne. Um, I just wanted to ask, I, I, I know the answer to a lot of things when I ask why as well, you have to get involved, we'll vote them out and just do your part, and which is great. I can understand that and I can get behind that. What I can't understand is how is it that these folks continuously get away with breaking the law, going against the constitution and never are never held accountable um, in, in, it's on so many levels. Like I just read that someone, the 20th person from like 9-11 got released, but yet our J6ers are still huh. in jail. And, and just this opposite effect of all of this bad is happening to the little guy that's trying to do good. And all the people that are doing enormously bad are just running free without any repercussions. And I, I honestly don't understand how that happens. Well, interestingly enough, the answer to your question lies in the premise of your first statement, okay? Um, the reason we're in the situation that we're in is because for a century, we have been taught that the most powerful thing we do is vote. That is not the most powerful thing we do is voting. Um, it's not even really half, you know, the, the, the middle ground of the powerful thing that we do. Voting is a small fraction of being involved in government. It's what you do when you live in a republic, but it's not it. But the problem is for a century or more, we've been taught that it is the be all end all, get out to vote. That's how you control government, vote them out of office. No, that's not how you control government. Voting is not how you control government. Voting is how you put representatives in office. It's what you do every other day of every other year that controls government. And that's why you have to be involved. You have to, why are they not accountable? Because we don't make them accountable. We are not showing up to the meetings. We're not in their face. We're not driving the car. We have become, for over a century, we've been taught that voting is all we do. So we have become spectators and consumers of government. We are not supposed to be spectators and consumers of government. We are supposed to be government. Mm. And we've lost that perspective. So now what we deal with is is a people who are beginning to wake up and see that there's lots of problems in government and they're starting to be the government they're supposed to be. They're starting to attend the meetings. They're starting to write the representatives. They're starting to go down and talk to them. The problem is for a century, we've left these people alone. They're like a bunch of spoiled teenagers that have had no discipline their whole life. And now you show up and you want to be heard and they resent you.
because they've been left ungoverned for more than a century. What are you doing here? We don't need you. We haven't needed you for a century. You haven't even wanted to be involved for a century. Why all of a sudden you think you get to be a part of this? So what we have to do is understand that that has to, we have to have a, a boldness. We have to have a persistence to push through the patterns of behavior we've created because we've checked out for over a century because we've fallen into this idea that voting is how we control government. And so what we have to do is just not be intimidated away and not be discouraged. I mean, people are being arrested going to these meetings. Well, that's not how, why we stop going to the meetings. That means we bring even more people to the meetings. If you have a kid and you're a parent and you have not disciplined that parent, that child for 16 years, sticking your finger in his face is not going to make an obedient child. It makes a rebellious child, a resentful child. You've got to, like I said, in, in, in non-combine, you got to take him to the woodshed. You've got to realize that you're really going to have to engage in some hardcore behavioral psychology. So you are going to have to train these spoiled, rebellious, resentful servants where they're really supposed to be and where they fall in the hierarchy of government. Mm. And then to do that, you've got to know the constitution. You've got to know the law. You can't come at them with feelings. You can't come at them angry. You can come at with them angry, but make sure it's righteous indignation that is, that is fortified. That is, with the foundational of the document, right? Don't go, you're tyrants, you're Marxists. Name calling doesn't do anything. You say, the constitution says this. The laws that govern the school board say this. You have to do this. I have the right to do this, not because it feels good, not because I want to be in your face, but because the Constitution says it's my right and the laws that govern this body say this is how it works. And when you present that to them with the law, then they will digress into name calling and make fools of themselves. So good. Um... Man, <laughs> so uh, th we'll, this will be the last question before we let you go, because I know that um, we're already 10 minutes over. But, you know, I one thing. That Wait, you can... let me ask one, Jordan, before we go to the final one. Go ahead, Ross. <laughs> Chris, saying, what do you think? What do you think is going to be the universally recognized by enough constitutionally literate people that will cause a loud enough rebuttal for people to become more aware of how gross the, the, the rights violate, like, where do you think that this stops because awareness will be too great of what's, ha of what's been happening? Okay. So the answer to that question probably lies in a direction. Maybe you're not expecting, but revival is always the product of oppression, right? So things will get worse. And right. as they get worse, they will get better. Yeah, because the here's the thing pop until it's hot enough the popcorn yeah. just gets no, more people, annoyed and then okay. agitated 
Remember what the Declaration of Independence says? People will suffer evil as long as evil is sufferable, but after a long train of abuses, right? Long train of abuses. You have to be, you have to be made uncomfortable before you want yeah. to do something because people are will by human nature suffer mm. to stay comfortable. I mean, think about this from a human nature perspective. Battered spouse syndrome would not exist if people did not cling to comfort more than freedom or liberty or anything else, right? It's a psychological truth. And so what has to happen, um, I, I had one, one of my mentors told me this, you know what? It's always someone else's fight until you get punched in the eye. Now, what the American people don't realize is they're getting punched in the eye every day. But when it gets so bad, they actually feel it. Yeah. That's when they'll wake up. I mean, I had to be fired. 11 years ago, I was given an ultimatum. You stop teaching the Constitution, stop speaking, speaking to the people I don't like, or you will lose your job. I literally had to be put in an ultimatum where I had to realize that I was either going to stand for my rights as God has given them to me, or I am going to back down, shut up and cling to my comfort. Now, because at the, I, I, I believe because I have a spiritual foundation, I have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. I feared damaging that relationship with Christ more than I fear damaging my relationship with my coworkers and my boss. So I told my boss, you didn't give me these rights and I'm not trading them for your paycheck. So he fired me. And then that started (laughs) off 11 years of what I'm doing right now. God threw the doors open and put us on, on a mission field. We've had pastors call us. We are missionaries to the people of America in defense of the Constitution. And we operate as a mission. Our, that's why, by the way, non-compliant movie is a nonprofit film. That's why you don't have to pay to watch it because it's part of what we do as a mission. And everything that funds that comes from the generosity of the people in the mission field. Every subscription at libertyfirstsociety.com helps us take the message out. Everything is funneled back into the mission. And we're actually, I don't know if anybody has told you this, we're actually filming non-compliant two right now. Oh, let's go. And Jordan, you're going to love this. Non-compliant two is all about the sheriff. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Non-compliant two is all about the sheriff. So if you guys know anybody that does fundraising, if you guys want to partner with us, all you have to do is direct people to noncompliantmovie.com. They can make a donation that's tax deductible and that will help us fund non-compliant two to be finished. And we're hoping to have it out by midsummer. Wow. Because we've already started filming. We're going to be filming more in Iowa and in Arkansas this next week. Man, I cannot wait for that. All right. So I'm going to put 
Right now, I'm putting the libertyfirstsociety.com in the comments, uh, in the chat, so you guys can get the link from there. You can click on that if you guys want to check out some more of Chris Ann's uh, courses. And um, again, it's such an honor to have you here with this entire group and getting, we've learned so much from you through your, through the free video. And I found you, I don't know if some, someone sent me, I don't remember who it was. Someone sent me like, Hey, you should watch this. Cause, cause I was just starting to like look into the constitution a little bit. And, uh, I watched the whole thing straight and there was, I don't remember there was, there was one section in it where I was just completely blown away. I'm like, okay, we have to teach the entire community this starting next week. And we asked the whole community, they're like, yes, let's do it. And we, we create a whole curriculum from really from you, from your entire film. And it's really, it really is because of the hard work that you've done. And I mean, thank you for even making that free because it allowed us as an entire community to really kind of get that first push to really study the constitution, study the federalist papers, study our state constitutions. Right. Um, every single person in here went through this and all of us are, pre are, are so engaged politically now because we know <laughs> our rights and it's the work that you've done. So it's such a blessing. Um, I encourage everyone uh, to for sure, I'm going to put the link in there one more time. Uh, so you guys have that link. Check out the course that go ahead, please. Could I ask you a question? Yeah. Where are you guys? Uh, we're all well, I'm in Orlando, Florida. I was in Los. I was in Los Angeles. I lived in LA for the last eight years. And then last year, I made the move to Florida after two years of lockdowns. And I was just like, okay, I cannot do this anymore. Um, but I didn't know my rights. So I didn't even understand. And I didn't have language for what I was feeling and understanding like the politics behind it all. Cause I just really wasn't engaged. That was kind of the moment the mayor of LA and I say this all the time, the community. So they're probably sick of hearing it, but the moment that the mayor of LA said, Hey, um, if you have friends over, if your neighbors have friends over at their house, call the police. Cause they're not allowed to have anyone over. And if, if they do not leave, we're going to turn off your electricity and turn off your water. And that was the moment I said, okay, this is not about health. There's something that's bigger going on. I need to figure out what's going on. That's, that was kind of the beginning journey. And I think that's for a lot of us here. So, but yeah, everyone's all over the nation. This is a community. I'm, I'm watching all of this is crazy. Somebody said the Bay area. I'm like, well, there are lots of those, which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe may, oh, San Francisco. Uh, uh yeah it could be because tampa we call it the bay area are right? you in tampa yeah we're in i'm we're in tampa okay awesome yeah, we're in tampa so we call that the bay area too look at all these people uh we're gonna be in iowa i don't know if anybody around there in the audience is in in iowa um we're in the calendar our calendar is at chrisannhall.com so you can go there and find out where we're gonna be and and if you come and see us please come up and say, Hey, Chris, Ann, uh, you were in the chat with Jordan and, and we were, you know, I was with you there and that would be really great. Um, if you go to Jenny, if you go to chrisannhall.com and click on the calendar, it'll tell you exactly where we're going to be in Iowa. I'll be in Arkansas on the 17th and the 18th of March as well in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, um, uh, teaching about sheriff stuff there too. It's just going to be amazing. And I also want to encourage you guys that uh, we do a podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, where we take current events issues and we bring them to you from constitutional training perspective. We, we, we call it a teach show, not a talk show. And I just started something brand new this year, uh, which is a little periodic 
uh, periodical. You know, I, whenever I get a wild hair, uh, we do a 20 minute or less segment called Wake Up, where I teach just one thing and, and we just do it that way. And uh, so we have two opportunities to learn at no cost. Uh, and everybody who helps us gives us the opportunity. I mean, this is a full-time job for us, oh, but yeah. we have like six full-time jobs. But <laughs> <laughs> but over here in Tampa, my husband and I are also professors at River University at the River School of Government, where we teach the Liberty First Society curriculum wow. in a college campus setting. That, so that's incredible. All right. So yeah, we're we're just so excited. I can't tell you how exciting it is to actually see you guys and to talk to you guys. This is really encouraging to me as well. So I want to thank everybody from all over the country. Yeah, not everyone's all over the country, even even in California and New York. And I think Diane's in New York, right? Your Diane's in New York. Yeah, somebody asked what the podcast is called. It's yeah. called the Chris Ann Hall Show. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Music, we're on iTunes, we're on lots of just audio podcast forms. Uh, and then we're on uh Facebook, we're on YouTube when they you know aren't kicking us off, and we're on Twitch, D Live, and Rumble. Yes. Uh, Nancy is in Canada. Nancy has been one of the kind of the organizers and she's helping organize the people party. And when she, nice. first, when she first joined our community and she was just like, it is like the constitution and what you guys stand for. I mean, she studied it before well, even I did. <laughs> I've actually studied the Canadian uh, declaration of rights, the Canadian human rights document, because I've helped pastors in Canada, wow. uh, keep their churches open and stuff like that. So I've actually written, a, a little document on the Canadian human rights and, and how religious liberty is established in Canada. And so I've actually helped pastors all over the world. I've studied the South African constitution. I've studied the Latvian constitution, the German constitution, the constitution of England, um, Australia. Uh, and then we've also, like I said, done the Canadian one as well. Oh, Chris, so cool. Anna, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, it's Nancy from Canada. Um, just quick, quick question. What, um, name, some, name some of the Canadian pastors that you've helped. Maybe I know them. Uh, gosh, I can't, some of them I can't really remember off the top of my head, but, uh, Arthur Pulowski is, yes, is yeah. one that we've worked with. Wow. Um, I don't, uh, the other one the is the other Joe pastor Booth? who's been arrested. Hutchin. Joe, uh, Coates, Joe, uh, uh, Coates. No, not Coates. Um, I'm trying to remember. Is it the one from? Is it the one out of Hamilton? Hutchings. Uh, Hutchings. Yeah, I think he's from out of Hamilton, Ontario, just literally forty-five minutes away from me. Hutchings, and we've helped. Uh, we've helped several others that I don't even actually get to know their name. Um, I just send them the documents and the 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 essay that I wrote on the you know religious liberty rights in Canada, as far as your constitution goes. That's Can amazing. I email you after this? I would love sure. To Absolutely. My email is, um, I'll, I'll put it in here for you. Perfect. And, and while you do that, um, and then we'll, we'll let you go. Um, so I want to share one quick story because I actually would love to get your opinion on this. This happened today. This story is not going to break till tomorrow. I got my, one of my buddies was on the plane today when this happened. Um, there was a 19 year old kid that walked in with like a, you know, F Joe Biden t-shirt. He was on Delta airlines. He was sitting there. 
the stewardess comes and, you know, says, Hey, we need you to take off your shirt. And he was like, at first he said, no, long story short, they brought security. He's like, he ended up doing it. He went into the, you know, went outside the plane, switched his shirt, put it inside out, came back, sit down. He complied. Um, and then like 10 minutes later, before they're about to take off, the captain says that our staff does not feel comfortable that you're on the plane and they deplaned him after he complied and took off his shirt. Well, I mean, re- reverse his shirt. Then Delta Airlines put him on the no-fly list. This is a 19-year-old kid, by the way. Put him on the no-fly list forever. He's never allowed to fly Delta Airlines, all because he wore a political T-shirt that, you know, and you kind of have these woke corporations protecting and defending the tyrant himself that's in office because he can't, his policies won't defend himself in any any way. Here's the problem that you have the complication that you have there, right? Um, From a technical perspective, Delta Airlines is a private corporation. They should be able to say who's allowed to be served by them and who's not. What are the standards to use our services? What are the standards that, you know, what are the things we don't allow you to engage in? So from a private property perspective, you know, if you don't like it, you fly a different airlines. That's right. how free market system works. The problem, the complication is, is that our airlines are no longer purely private because they receive so much tax dollars, so many, you know, so much in tax dollars that they actually become quasi federal uh, government. Not only that, you combine the billions of dollars of tax dollars they're receiving. And then you come with the fact that we now, legislators now create laws that make it a federal crime to disagree with a flight attendant. Mm. You literally turn these flight attendants into federal agents. And yet they'll go, no, we're a private corporation. We can set the standards. Somebody needs to challenge that. Because you see, there's a federal law called the Hatch Act that says if you receive a certain percentage of money from the federal government, there's certain political activity you're not allowed to gauge in because you're considered governmental. It's called the Hatch Act. And I believe personally that these airlines are well beyond the standard of the Hatch Act, not just simply by funding, but by the fact that they've they've actually deputized these flight attendants I mean, well, think well, about don't it. Don't tell them that. They'll be putting us in the brig left and right. They don't even. Oh, wait. they already are. They already are. Here, think about this. The Supreme Court of the United States says that you have the free speech right to cuss out a police officer. So the Supreme Court says a police officer cannot arrest you for cussing them out. You have a free speech right to do that because they're a government agent. As long as you're not violent, uh, you can say anything you want to a police officer. And if they arrest you for your words, uh, it's, it's a rights violation. You can sue them. But you can't cuss out a flight attendant. Because if you do, you'll be charged with a federal offense. So we have deputized flight attendants beyond authority of sheriff, deputies, and police officers. Wow. And then it kind of, and that kind of what kind of proves that is that you even when when uh, Joe Biden put in 
the federal mandate for for federal workers. That's why airlines had to respond because they have so mm -hmm. many federal contracts. Right. So, so essentially, that would kind of really go align with exactly with what you're saying. Right. Well, and they say it's because it's the FAA, right? It was it was the FAA that issued the regulation. Biden never issued a mask mandate. Oh, so never right. issued a mask mandate. So when you walk through the airports and the, and, and the flight attendants would say federal law, federal law, I would always challenge them. There's no federal law. Congress did not pass a law to mandate masks. That's the only way you get a federal law is if Congress passes a law. So, so I said, what you have is an executive order or an executive regulation, but you do not have a federal law. So, and that always made them mad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, they're like, Oh wait, we got, we got called out, but it does say that it's like by, you know, that you hear them announce it on the plane, you see mm -hmm. the signs. So it's, it really legally. I always write on a napkin just so you know, I'm a constitutional attorney uh, and I don't want you to, to, to look foolish. There is no federal law. It is a federal regulation. Okay. It's a there it is. So it's a federal regulation. And I'm not even sure it's even a regulation at this point. It's just an executive order, which is a demand from the president. That's it. Which is less than a federal regulation because executive orders are not allowed by the nature of what they are to actually mandate people. Wow. Executive orders are on only have authority over executive agencies. Wow. So the executive order could mandate the FAA wear masks, but the executive order can't doesn't have the authority to mandate that airlines do that because airlines are not an executive agency. All right. Well, man, we got more than 30 minutes. We got a whole hour. So everyone, I want to give everyone a, a applause for... Chris Sandhall for being with us for an entire hour and spending time with our community. Um, and if you're watching this on our, our archive, make sure you go and click on the link or what, what's the name of the website again for your, for the school. LibertyFirstSociety.com. A LibertyFirstSociety.com. And then your Instagram for people to find you on social media. Oh, if you want to find me on Instagram, you have to enter my name exactly. If you do not enter my name exactly, Instagram will not let you find me. And you may get a message when you try to follow me that says, are you sure you want to follow Chris Ann Hall? So it's chrisann.hall. That's my Instagram, at chrisann.hall.